Uh, we're in Acts. The la- this is our last time in Acts. We're finishing, closing out the series. We've been here for, um, I don't know, a while, right? Since Easter, I think, maybe. Um, so, um, Acts 27, um, and uh, I'm not going to... I'm not going to do two chapters. I'm just going to do Acts 27, and we're just not going to do 28. Um, but uh, mainly because we're not here next week, and then John Bearden is here the week after, uh, and he's going to come and preach, and he's going to do his own thing, not doing, um, not doing Acts. Right, Acts 27. Um, let me summarize. I mean, if you've been following our series in Acts, you, you could have called the last few chapters kind of uh, the sufferings of Paul. You know, it's just sort of one series of arrests and, and interrogations after another, and um, uh, so much so that he, uh, you know, he's not getting a fair trial, uh, and so he appeals to Caesar in Rome and uh, finds himself on a ship headed for, uh, headed for Rome, and uh, we're going to pick it up in, in verse 9, uh, Acts 27, verse 9, much time had been lost, so he's a, a, a prisoner, there's other prisoners on board on this ship heading to Rome. Verse 9, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So he's saying it's a bad time of year, it's October, there's winter storms and so on. Uh, So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our lives also. Uh, Information point at this point, Paul had been shipwrecked twice already, so maybe he kind of you know, echoes of what's happened to him before and you know, looking at the weather, this ain't good, guys. Um, verse 11, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbour was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and weather there. This was a harbour in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. Verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow, that doesn't sound too bad, does it? Uh, They saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven Along. Interesting, they can't, they, you can't fight it. If you've ever been in a, uh, a situation where uh, in a, a storm at sea, maybe on a boat, or uh, you've had a really, a, you know, I've had a really rough flight, you know, in, a, in like a tropical storm, you're, you, you, can't, you can't fight it, can you? You can't fight the, the elements. They're stronger and power, more powerful than, uh, than we are. And so they were driven along. Verse 16, as we passed the lee of a small island called Cowder, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold together because they were afraid it would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Things must be pretty desperate, right, if you're throwing the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up hope of being saved. And pick it up again in verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again, and it was found 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. 
Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboats and let it drift away. So, as I say, Paul is en route to, uh, to Rome here. He hasn't been getting a, a fair trial. Um, but also in the back of his mind is uh, those words that I mentioned a moment ago, the great commission of Jesus to go and make disciples to the end of the earth. And so Rome is kind of in his, in his, uh, in his sights, you know, he wants to get to Rome and preach the gospel there. Um, but this was, it was a perilous journey. And, and this is actually, I said, his third shipwreck. It says in verse 18, they took a violent battering. In verse 20, they gave up hope of being saved. This wasn't just unpleasant, it was dangerous. You know, they feared for life, they ditched the cargo. Some, some men tried to escape. This wasn't just unpleasant and a, and a little bit of seasickness. This is, a, this is an awful storm. They, just, they gave up hope, tossed stuff overboard, completely at the mercy of the, the wind and the waves. But Paul shows courage in the midst of this, hope, of this, this hopeless storm. Huge waves are, you know, battering the ship. But Paul was calm, as we'll see. How, how is that? There are, it's, we'll read there are 270-odd on board. Uh, you know, experienced uh, sailors uh, and so on. But some of them are trying to escape. But, but Paul, our man Paul here, is, is calm. How is that? And the answer is that he was, he was anchored in a way the others knew nothing about. He was anchored in a way. His soul, his heart was anchored in a way the others knew nothing about. And life, it, it isn't plain sailing, is it? You know, life isn't, if, if you're, if you're, uh, you've only got to live long enough and you'll, you'll know that to be true, that, that we hit trouble, our lives hit trouble. We, uh, we, hit, we hit circumstances maybe sometimes beyond our controls. We run into trouble, we get, we get buffeted and, and rocked around, you might get sick, people, people around you might bail, like the, uh, the sailors on the ship were trying to, were trying to bail into the, the lifeboat. Some people might lose their heads, like some of these guys were. You might even despair of life, but I believe the Lord wants to show us how we can have courage amidst the storms of life if we use the proper anchors. Because anchors, they, they hold us fast to something, don't they? Um, we, Natalie and I, my wife Natalie and I, we've uh, sometimes holiday in the, in the Greek islands. And I remember a few years ago, we, uh, Natalie wanted to hire a boat. Always, something always seems to go wrong when we, when we do this, so I, I wasn't so keen. But we did, and uh, assured that it, nothing could go wrong again, or at least the same thing wouldn't go wrong again. And uh, so we went out on this small boat, the two of us, and uh, kind of you know, cruising around, the, around some of the islands and out in the sea. And there's, there's beaches that, uh, on this rocky, rocky island that you, you just can't access anywhere but from the sea, from a boat. So uh, I thought this would be great, you know, have lunch, jump overboard, have lunch, swim, sit on the beach, get back on the boat. And all of that went very well. Um, and uh, get, you know, climb back in the boat, and then, right, it's time to lift up the anchor and go, and the, the anchor's not coming, you know? The, the anchor will not be released from the rocks because the, the, you know, the, sea, the boat has moved, the sea's been, been rocky, and the anchor's obviously got, got wedged somehow, and it's just not coming. And so I'm swimming down under trying to release this, this anchor, fearful that, that suddenly it might give way, and you know, I'll get an anchor in the face, and uh, um, uh, that'll be that. And um, so in the, end, in the end, we just, just untie the rope. All right, what else can you do? We're stuck there, so just untie the rope and leave the, the anchor, but anchor, anchor it, it holds you fast to something, doesn't it? Um, let's just go back and read verse, verse 21. 
after they'd gone a long time without food, so, you know, they, they are pretty green, yeah? They're pretty sick, these folk. Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Not altogether helpful, is it, saying, you should have listened to me, I told you so. Love those kind of people, don't you? But uh, he's trying to make the point, you know, listen to me. You didn't listen to me then, okay, but listen to me now, yeah? Verse 22, but now I urge you to keep your courage, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, that would be in Rome, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So how did Paul remain calm in this terrifying situation? I want to just draw out a few points for us. The first one is because he knew that he belonged to God. Verse 23, last night an angel of the Lord, to whom I belong, stood beside me. He saw himself as God's property. He, he, he saw himself as belonging to God. How, do we, how, do we, how is it we belong to God? In the Song of Songs it says, my lover is mine and I am his. Uh, the Abrahamic promises, isn't it? You know, God says, uh, I will be their God and, and, and they will be my people. My people. So we belong to him, like shepherd, like sorry, like sheep to a shepherd, like children belong to their parents. We belong to him because he bought us at a price. Our sinful nature, it means that we've all, we've all, you know, uh, turned away from God and rejected God, uh, uh, and we fall short when compared to a holy God. You know, we look at our lives and, and, uh, and we fall short to a holy God. We've all turned away and rejected God, and yet, yet, yet God sent his only son to die on the cross he lived a perfect life, paid the death that you and I deserve to purchase us, to purchase freedom for us, to purchase forgiveness for you and for me. And he gave us his righteousness that when, when God looks at us, instead of seeing all the junk and mess in our lives that we've, that we've done, he sees Jesus, he sees us as perfect. And as Tim, Tim touched on, he, he gives us an eternity together with him. So he doesn't just forgive us and give us freedom and adopt us and give us his righteousness so he sees us as pure and holy, even though, you know, that's not how we see ourselves often a lot of the time. But also he gives us a future, an eternity together with him. This, folks, is how we belong to him. Do you belong to him this morning? Do you belong to him this morning? To belong to him means having accepted him into your life. It means saying, I've, I've been bought at price that's been bought at the cross by Jesus' blood and body shed at the cross. And I, my life is his. I am his and he is mine. And this, this story of a, of a shipwreck, it's also like a... Um, not to kind of push, it, push the analogy too far, but it's, it's also like an illustration of the human condition the human sinful condition, that we're, we're overwhelmed by forces we cannot control. Like, the, like in the storm, you're, you're helpless. If the storm is raging, you're helpless to fight against the, the waves and the wind. And, and so too, the human nature is we're helpless to fight against the, 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 the nature of sin in our lives. You can, you can fight it. You can use all the self-control and determination you want to do and all the, the self-help courses that you want to do. But ultimately, you'll find we're, we're helpless in, against the, 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 the forces at work, the sinful forces at work in our hearts because that's, that's the way we're made. We're driven helplessly 
before them. We're out of touch with our bearings. Just like in the, in the story here, they kind of, kind of lost bearings and you know, they're, they're seasick and there's stuff being blown around. We've, we've lost bearings. We just can't help ourselves. We're lost and losing hope and darkness is falling. And you've got to look around the world, right? And darkness is falling. But into that darkness steps the Lord. And maybe today for you, this is the, the first time that you're, that you're hearing this or the first time it's resonating with you, that's the the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Because he went to the cross, he didn't just die there, but he rose again and ascended into heaven, but sent us his Spirit to help us, to convict us, to to help us, to provoke us. And if you you feel that provocation today, don't don't ignore that. That's the Holy Spirit of God saying, I I purchased you at a price. I want you to know that you're, you're precious to me, precious enough for me to send my son to die at the cross on your behalf. That's how precious you are to me. So Paul, he was calm in the storm because he knew he belonged to God. Secondly, he had courage because he was anchored in the fact he was serving God. Verse 23, the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Not to say that if you're, if you're serving God, nothing bad is going to happen to you. That's not, not what I'm saying. But, um, but yeah, he's in trouble. Paul here is in trouble. He's, he's not where he wants to be. Yeah? He doesn't want to be in a shipwreck again. Um, but here he is and... Uh, Instead of kind of you know whinging and whining about it and oh poor old me, so it's the third time it's happened, he, he sees an opportunity because he's believing the words of Jesus, the, the Great Commission to go and make disciples. And, uh, and and that's wherever he is, wherever we are, right? So sometimes we can think, well, you know, I, I'm just not in a good season of life at the moment. You know, I touched on it with when Lizzie was sharing about mums and toddlers. You know, I've got, got a young family and I'm working in the home, I've got my hands full with kids, and and you know, the words of the Great Commission to, to go and make disciples, that's just not for me right now. And and I but I get that, but I think in every situation, in every circumstance, we can see opportunity. Paul, mid shipwreck, sees an opportunity to speak about his faith, right? I don't know about you, my, my default mint shipwreck would be like, you know, um, oh, I'm not coping well with this, you know, and, and uh, you know, somebody get me a bucket, or, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be kind of, hey, let's pray, let's, it wouldn't be pointing people towards Jesus, it would be, it would be pity and, uh, and, and whinging about it. You know, Paul could have been so focused about to get to Rome, he could have thought, well, actually, I'm going to Rome to preach the gospel, so this, this, this trip, it's just, you know, it's just an inconvenience, this, this, this shipwreck, but no, he sees an opportunity. He's on mission about Jesus wherever he is, whether that's for us at work, working in the home, at school, at uni, whatever. There's opportunity for mission. Number three, the reason Paul displayed such courage was that his faith was in God. Verse 25, for I have faith in God. Believing God through hard times, saying that, you know, despite my circumstances, despite my outlook, I'm going to trust in him because all that we receive from God is through faith. It's believing in his promises. It means holding to the, the word and the promise of God in spite of our situation, in spite of our circumstances, in spite of all the stuff that would kind of hit us. It's saying, no, 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 I, I, I feel all this pressure. I feel all, this, all, all, all the darkness of this situation and doubt. But, but no, I'm going to trust in his promises. I'm going to trust in his words. I'm going to trust in his promises for my life. That's what Paul was doing. He was trusting in God as opposed to kind of, oh, what, what, you know, trusting in, in what he saw with his eyes, which was a shipwreck, a storm. It's trusting in truth. 
as I said earlier, we're, we're coming to the end of our, our series in Acts, and it's been quite a journey through the last, um, I guess, 20-odd I guess 20 20 odd weeks. Um, and, uh, but one of the key themes, right from the, the get-go, in, in, in the beginning of the early chapters of Acts, has been the presence of God. If you follow the series or know your Bible, in, in Acts 1, you know, Jesus ascends into heaven. He's been with the disciples, you know, eating, eating drinking, sleeping, you know, preaching with, with the disciples. And then Acts 1, he's, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone ascended into heaven. And, and then Acts 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's good for you that I go. And he sends us as the Holy Spirit. He doesn't leave on his own, but he sends us his Holy Spirit. And, and right through the book of Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit just empowering people. We see miracles, healing, changed hearts, people saved. And, and, and it's what we see right through this, this unique book in many ways is the presence of God with his people. God presencing himself with his people through his Holy Spirit. So Paul could be calm in the storm because he, he knew he belonged to God, that he and his future were secure. Not that necessarily nothing bad was going to happen to him. You know, there are, there are Christians who go around and think, well, you know, I'm a Christian, and so I, I, no, no harm can come to me. Uh, you know, and, and a little bit, little bit silly because you can still get sick, get hurt like, like any other person. But, but our, our future, our hope is secure in him. That no matter what happens to us in this life, our future and our hope is secure in him. So Paul knew that he belongs to God. He was on mission for God wherever he was. Storm or still waters, he was on mission God. His faith was in God. He trusted God, his promises, despite his circumstances. And lastly, he knew the Lord was with him by his spirit. This is a key theme in this. In this. To summarize up this whole book, this is a key theme. God's, God's Holy Spirit presence with ordinary men and women. And if our hearts have got the, the anchors of, of his presence, his, his ownership, his service, we'll be able to stand strong in any storm. Because we all go through storms, don't we? You know, we all go through situations and circumstances in life that, that test us, that are, are difficult, but we can stay firm and calm if we have these anchors in our life. Paul says in verse 23, An angel of the Lord visited me and stood beside me. Well, we can do better than that. We have his Holy Spirit presence in and with us. It might not seem it. If, you're, if you find yourself today in the eye, eye of the storm, being bashed around and, and you know, seeing people in your life kind of bail on you uh, and, and lose their heads, but if you know and follow Jesus, he has sent his Spirit to live in you and me. Jesus said it was better for you that he go because we'd have his Spirit helping us, guiding us, convicting us, speaking to us. Maybe, maybe today you find yourself in a, in, a, in, a storm, in a season of life that's just stormy, uh, you know, and uh, maybe you've just been, been, been swimming or paddling hard to kind of get out of it, trying to, trying to get yourself out of it and pull yourself out of it and, and just feel like you're ready to give up. I want to I ask you, what are you anchored to this morning? What are you anchored to this morning? Maybe life is great at the moment. Maybe you just, things are all lining up, all going your way. Great. But that won't last forever. What are you anchored to? Are you anchored to you, your career? Well, you know, it's kind of life's going great because I've got a good career. That's okay. Life's going, life's going great because I've got, I've got savings. Life's going great because I've got, you know, I'm, I'm capable. I'm smart. I've got it. 
life's good because you know, other people think I'm, think I'm good. Other people think I'm doing a good job. Those things will, those things will disappear. So they'll, they'll come under pressure at times where, where you might lose your job or, or savings might go or um, reputation might be damaged or uh, something like that. What are you, what, what you going to do when those things happen, when those things fall away? Instead of calm, if, you, if your anchor's not in the Lord, instead of calm, you'll be kind of, kind of panicking, lo- like, like these sailors, you know, losing their heads a little bit. You might, you might drown in self-pity, kind of, oh, poor me. You know, oh, I lost my job, or he or she left me. And it's self-pity, it's poisonous. It, it just it, it feeds a sense of entitlement, doesn't it? You know, it's kind of, oh, I, well, I, I can do that because... Um, I've had a really rough time recently, and it's okay, you know. I, I, I've been through the mill a bit, you know. But I believe the Lord wants to say to this morning, do you know how precious you are? Whether you know him or not, do you know how precious you are to him this morning? He says, I bought you at a great cost. Cost him everything. His son dying on the cross for you and me, that's how precious you are to him. Johnny and Sarah, do you think you could come back up and, uh, and we're going to respond? Should we stand? You, you might not know him this morning, but he invites you, he invites you to come, to, to, to get to know him. You might, you might know him but be far from him and like these sailors, just find yourself kind of having lost your bearings he wants to invite you to come and re-establish them with him this morning. You might know him, follow him, but just find yourself, as I said a few times, just at the center of a storm, kind of the eye of a storm this morning, believing lies, maybe like, uh, he's punishing me, he's not with me, he doesn't care about me, he doesn't love me, he's not committed to me. I know that, that Jesus is the... He's, is the true and better Jonah. If you know the story of Jonah, he was fleeing from God on a boat, uh, just, just, yeah, running away from, uh, from God, and the, the boat was in a storm, just much like this one. And uh, uh, Jonah knew that this storm was because uh, was he was fleeing God, and uh, uh, the other people on the boat were really, in tr- we were all in trouble, but it was, it was because of Jonah, it's because he was fleeing from God. And so Jonah said to them, throw me overboard, and you'll be saved. And uh, so that's what they did, and Jonah was consumed by a whale. But in the same way of, of that, it's, it's the same thing is true with Jesus. There's a storm of, of sin in our, in our hearts, in our lives, that, that's going to consume us. But Jesus consumed it so that we might be saved. Jesus consumed that, that, that storm of sin and punishment that we deserve so that you and I might be saved so that we don't have to be consumed by the storm. This is how precious you are to him this morning. And that's how you can have peace in the storm. Whether it's a storm you're going through now or a storm that you'll go through at some point, because we all do. He wants you to be anchored to him in the storm. Let's pray, and we're going to respond in worship.